0: Well, how many of you love the Word of God today? You love the Word of God today, amen. I want to talk again and for a last time about this whole subject of the funeral crasher. You remember the wedding crasher? How about the funeral crasher? Well, what do you mean, Pastor Jeff? What I mean is Jesus couldn't preach a good funeral. He always raised him from the dead. The funeral never got to be completed. And can I tell you that he's going to crash a huge funeral one day soon. Amen. And those who have died are coming out of the grave. But I want to point something out really, really important about the story of Lazarus. So let's stand, everybody, and let's read a few verses. And then uh, you can be seated the rest of the time unless you get preached to your feet, and that may happen. Now, the funeral crasher, part two, loose him. Let's read this story. My favorite funeral that Jesus crash the story of Lazarus his friend and um, you know last week well let me just say this week I've gotten phone calls emails all week long from what last week's message did in the hearts and lives of people Uh, we had people set free handing me their cigarettes down in the altar and weeping and crying and and going out under the power of God and all kinds of things were happening But it was the emails, it was what happened beyond the service that spoke to me all week long, right up to today, people testifying what the Word last week did. Well, the Word sets people free, and it moves, and it is alive. It pulsates with the life of God. Now, let's look at this story. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And what did Jesus tell them? Preach it to me, church. Take away the stone. We shared last week that you got to move the stone away for God to move in your life. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been dead four days. Well, do you think Lazarus was embarrassed of the smell? No, she was embarrassed. All right, so she had to be delivered of that shame and that embarrassment. But now, then the story goes on. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Believing precedes seeing. If you believe and look in faith and walk in faith and believe God by faith, for what you do not see, you will see that for which you believe. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he prayed, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And then when he had said this, he called in a loud voice. Come on, church, read it with me. Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. The dead man came out. And But look at the condition he was in. <clears throat> His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen. Here's how he came out. Like this. Because he was still bound. Jesus said to them, look what he said, Take off the grave clothes and let him go free. Resurrected, but bound. resurrected but still bound father thank you for your word today i pray you will bless it bless it to our hearts and i thank you for it in jesus name and y'all walk at me just a minute i really appreciate there being as little movement as possible and if there's children in the room and they begin to act up uh, in a way that they need to be taken care of go minister to them And then you can bring them back in if you want to. But remember, there's people around that need to hear because God wants to do something here today. And I don't want there to be any distractions because, listen, some people are going to be loosed for the first time in their life. So turn to your neighbor, tell them, good to see you in church, and you can be seated. Now, uh, we saw last time the the quick story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Uh, Mary and Martha, two sisters, Lazarus, their brother, uh, Lazarus got sick one day. Jesus had been friends with this, uh, this this trio, these siblings and he had been to their house. He had dined with them, eaten with them, fellowship with them and so uh, he knew them. Th- this was a family Jesus had come to know and had gotten particularly close to. Now Jesus was in another town when Lazarus grew sick. It was the, uh, uh, a bad sickness. Don't know what it was. Something that had fever. Something that was progressive and deteriorating. The sisters became very concerned, so they sent an entourage of people to look for Jesus and tell him. And they found Jesus and said, hey, he who you love is sick. Well, Jesus did not respond immediately. And this was a real mystery to the sisters. He stayed right where he was. And he told his disciples secretly, I'm glad this has happened. Because you're going to believe in me in a way that you've never believed in me before because of what's going to take place. And they didn't know what he was talking about. Half the time, they didn't know what he was talking about. But he let them know that this was for the glory of God. So he sat there. Real message there on the sovereignty of God and why sometimes he doesn't jump when we say jump. He doesn't move when we think he should or will. But he he waits inexplicably in his mysterious ways. He waits and he doesn't move. So you've got a great picture of sovereignty here because the sisters have no idea what Jesus has, has told his disciples. This is for the glory of God. I'm in charge. It's okay. All they know is they've sent for him and he didn't show. So he did not show up. Lazarus got worse and worse. His fever shot up into a dangerous realm. And finally, shockingly, he died. This scandalized the sisters' faith. Because Jesus did not do what they thought he would, when they thought he would, the way he thought they thought he would, and that happens with you and I. We get scandalized in our faith towards God. God doesn't move in the way we think he will, or the way we think he should, or the way we have been taught that he will. We don't understand sovereignty, and they didn't, they didn't understand sovereignty. So he's in the tomb for four days. The funeral's in full procession. All the mourners are there. Everybody's weeping and crying and carrying on. And they're about to say goodbye for good when suddenly on the horizon, here comes Jesus with the twelve. Sisters run up to him. We don't get it. Where have you been? If you had only been here, my brother would not have died In, in a real nice religious way. They're scolding him. They're letting him know, I don't know what to think of this. Why did you let this happen? Why, Lord? It says that Jesus wept. It says that Jesus was moved in his spirit. It says that Jesus said to them, Where have you laid him? So they said, Well, he's right over there. They took him over to where the tomb was. And Jesus said, I'm telling you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God. And they said, Well, I know we're going to see it someday. Or I know we would have seen it if you had come earlier. But Jesus said, No, please understand, you're going to see it right now because I am the resurrection and I am the life and I am the now answer to your now problem I'm in your now I'm not just in your past and I'm not just coming in the future I am in your now problem I'm a present help in the time of trouble so he said roll away the stone well they didn't want to roll it away because of three things pride shame and unbelief pride they didn't want their problem to be seen. Shame, they didn't want the stench of the problem to be known to the onlookers. Unbelief, they didn't believe he could do anything about it now that it was four days in and it looked like he was late, looked like God was late. And some of you feel like God's late in your life right now. You're wondering where he's been, why hadn't he done something before now? What is God doing, where is he? Why hasn't he delivered? Why hasn't he healed? Why hasn't he answered? Where is God? Jesus said, roll away the stone. And he required them to do what they could do so that he could do what they could not do. And you're going to see this as a pattern. You're going to see this in this story. That when God wants to do something in our life and we're believing him for something, he always requires a faith trigger. He'll say, he said to the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your Hand so that I can heal it. Faith trigger. He had to move his hand out, that withered hand, for God to do something. He said to the sisters, You're going to have to roll away that stone. If you'll do what you can do, let me into the problem. I'll do what you can't do. I will resurrect the problem. But you're going to have to let me into the problem. You're going to have to let me into your stuff. You're going to have to let me into your business. You can't leave that stone of pride, shame, or unbelief in front of me and expect me to do anything. You're going to have to get it out of the way. Get any hindrance out of the way. Let me into it. Let me into your finances. Let me into your marriage. Let me into that habit. Let me into your depression. Let me into your life. Let me in where it stinketh. Let me in. So finally, they rolled the stone away, and Jesus spoke to the impossibility. The impossibility was that dead brother, and it says in the Bible that he came out. But now I want you to notice something today, and here's where I'm going. Lazarus comes out. He came out of that grave. But the Bible says in verse 44 of John 11, His hands and feet were bound in grave clothes. His face was wrapped in a head cloth. The resurrected came out, like I showed you, but he came out bound. This is a picture of real life. This is a picture of real Christianity. because so I want you to listen very carefully to me now. This story of, of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and his resurrection is a picture of the power of the gospel. Because when somebody believes in Jesus Christ, as we had in this first, in this altar call just now, they are raised, the minute they put their faith in Jesus, they are immediately raised from the dead. Do you know that you used to be dead? Oh, no, Pastor, I've always been alive. Sorry, never, never. I've never been dead. Yes, you were dead. You were dead as dead as dead. You were as dead as dead can be. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. You were like a light bulb. You're like a light bulb in a lamp that's got a cord, but it has never been plugged in. You've got the potential to glow, the potential to shine, the potential to receive that power. But until you're plugged in, that bulb is dead. It will not shine. It is useless. It only has potential. But when you plug it in, it lights up. And when you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord, the Holy Ghost takes your soul and you get plugged in to God. And for the first time in your life, Watch, the first time in your life, the power of the Spirit of life and of God flows into you, and you are raised from the spiritual dead. Before you were saved, you were a dead man walking, a dead woman walking. You were not alive, you were dead. Ephesians 2, 1, and you has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sin your spirit man was dead but if you are his now and he is yours your spirit has been made alive you have been quickened you have been lifed you have been made alive by the power of God that's why there ought to be a smile on your face you ought not look like you're at a funeral something incredible has happened to you he has raised you from the dead you came out hallelujah raised from the dead but now Watch this. Though you have been raised from the dead, there are still grave clothes that need to come off. He was raised, but he was not free. Watch what he could not move. He couldn't move his feet. He was wrapped in grave clothes. He couldn't move his hands. He was wrapped in grave clothes. He couldn't see because his face was wrapped in the face cloth. That you bury people with. So his eyes were affected. His hands were affected. His feet were affected. He was resurrected but he was still bound. Not able to walk well. Couldn't move his hands. Couldn't see. His eyes are bound. His hands are bound. His feet are bound. He's raised. But still bound by the wrappings of his past. There are many of you in here today, you're raised from the dead, but there's still a face cloth around your eyes. Your hands are still bound. Your feet are still bound. You still go some places you shouldn't go, do some things you shouldn't do, see some things you shouldn't see, and you're looking at yourself in a way that God doesn't want you looking at yourself. And there needs to be a resurrection and a redemption of your eyes and a redemption of your hands and a redemption of your feet. Rolling away the stone was necessary preparation for the resurrection. But removing the gray clothes was necessary to living a resurrected life. Do you see the difference? There's a big difference between being resurrected and being able to live a resurrected life. You weren't just resurrected to get you to heaven someday. You were resurrected to glow in the dark here on this earth. You were resurrected to walk in life on this earth. You are not supposed to just barely get by. Eking your way into heaven, barely hanging on. No, no, no. God has begun a good work in you, and He that began a good work in you is going to finish it. And part of that work, God has spoken over every one of you. Loose Him and let Him go. Loose Him and let Him go. God wants you to live a resurrected life. He wants you to live a life of resurrection. That means a life of victory. That means a life of triumph. That means the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Blessed in the storehouse, blessed in the field, blessed in your going out, blessed in your coming in. That means you are blessed, a resurrected life. Loose him, looser, and let them go. Now here's the principle I want you to notice that on both sides of the miracle of Lazarus, Jesus required something of people. He said to people, you roll away the stone. And he said to the people standing by, you loose him and you let him go. Now church, I want to illuminate you today. I want to give you just an idea of why we're here. Why are we sitting in this church on a Sunday morning when it's 105 degrees outside in the middle of the summer? Why did you bother getting out of bed and coming to church today? What are you doing here when you could be doing something else? I'm going to tell you why. Because God has His hand on your life. And you know why His hand is on your life? His hand is on your life because it is His job to resurrect, but it's our calling to loose them. Hear me now. It says, he said to those standing by, you lose him. Well, why don't you do it? You're the one that just raised him because I only do what you cannot do. If you can't do it, I will do it. You can't raise anybody from the dead, but you can roll away that stone. You can't raise somebody from the dead, but you can take off those grave clothes and help set them free. You see, liberated people liberate people. Freed people free people. Bound people bind people. I don't know about you, but I want to be liberated so I can be a liberator. Are you a liberator? You are if you have been liberated. And if you've been liberated, let's give the Lord a hand of praise if you've been liberated. See, what we got to understand is people come in here in all manner, shape, size, forms, backgrounds, all different kinds of. Of histories they walk in here and everyone that walks in here walks in, in a different level of Liberty or bondage and here's the principle the Lord does the quickening but then he calls the church to do the loosing I want you to learn to loose them and let them go see when they come to Christ like we saw here today they are little babies in Jesus they're not mature adults they're babes in Christ And they are yet carrying memories, wrappings, and trappings from the grave, from what they've come out of. The way they see, what they do with their their hands, which means their life, their work, what they do with their feet, the direction their life is taking. See, God wants to redeem your eyes, redeem your hands, redeem your feet. You are a project under construction. Every one of us can say, please be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. When you get up in the morning, God's got you on the potter's wheel. His mighty hands are coming in to shape you, form you, make you, fashion you into the image of Jesus Christ. And to do it, He's redeeming your eyes, redeeming your hands, and redeeming your feet. Your eyes, what you see. Your hands representing the work of your life and your feet. Where you're going, the direction of your life. And God wants every one of us to be involved in the loosing process. Think back to your own experience. Do you remember after you got saved how the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you were in a good church, how the church of the Lord Jesus Christ came in and began to help you, for instance, let's talk about your eyes, how you viewed yourself, how you viewed life, how you viewed God. Do you know how important it is that you are defined by God and not by the world? The world will dumb you down, define you down, sell you short, marginalize your potential, call you dumb, stupid, incapable. They will step on you to get to the top. The world will will marginalize. Your abilities, your talents, because it's a jealous, envious, competitive world out there, and they don't want you to succeed by and large. There are people in your past who have already spoken over your life when you' were a little child, and they defined you down. They called you unworthy. They called you, they called you different things that, that went into your mind like fish hooks and you've never been able to forget what was spoken over you. It's so important that we open up our spirits and allow the Lord God Almighty to be the definer of who we are. When Lazarus came out of that grave, he was resurrected, but he was still bound. His hands needed to be set free, his feet needed to be set free, and his eyes needed to be set free. Now, interestingly, I was thinking about the story of the prodigal son. You remember the story of the prodigal son decided he would leave his father's house. He said, I've had all this fun. I can stand. I'm bored here. Uh, There's a great big wide world out there, and it's got to be more fun than here in my father's house. So he went to his father and said, give me my money. Give me my inheritance. I want it early, and I'm going. What I find interesting here is the father representing God in the story, Jesus telling the parable, the father did not lift a finger to stop him. Didn't try to talk him out of it. And you know that he heard about him. You know that he heard about where he went. You know word got back. Hey, your son, he's really messing up. He's drinking. He's partying. He's womanizing. He's doing all these things. You know that it got back to the father, but he never went looking for him. Never went and tried to get him. He just said, he'll find out. And he's going to have to find out on his own. I can tell him all day long he won't believe me. He'll end up in the pigsty. So you know the story. Finally the boy did end up in a pigsty. The money ran out and so the fair weather friends ran away. They always do. And then he had to get a job because a famine hit the land. So he's literally working in a pigsty eating the food of pigs. The food for pigs pigs. He's sharing slop with pigs. So much for leaving the father's house to a better time. Eating pig slop. It says he came to himself, which means he had gone nuts. It is a form of temporary insanity when you say, I'm leaving the father's house. You've gone temporarily insane. You're not thinking clear. He came to himself. And he said, boy, I tell you, it was better in my daddy's house. It was sure better in my father's house. I'm going home. So he started heading home. You know the story. The father saw him in the distance, way out there. And he said, it's my boy. And he's coming towards me. So he ran, embraced him. And it's very, very instructive what he did. He embraced him, cried on his neck, said, welcome home, I forgive you, I love you, I'm so glad you're here. He wanted to throw a party and he said to his servants, I want you to put three things on him, the best robe on his back and I want you to put a ring on his finger and I want you to put sandals on his feet. Watch this. That had to do with eyes, it had to do with hands, it had to do with feet. Lazarus was bound in his eyes, bound in his hands, bound in his feet. The prodigal The father focused on his eyes, how he viewed himself, his hands, and his feet. Let's talk about the eyes. Put on in the best robe. Why in the world did he say, put on in the best robe? It was because of the way he saw himself. He had backslidden. He had walked away from God. He had shamed his father's name. He had gone off into the world. He had wasted everything the father had laid up for him. All of his inheritance wasted, thrown away on riotous, stupid living. So here's the way he saw himself. I'm a failure. I'm a no good. I'm not successful. I'm not worthy of my Father. I'm not worthy of His love. I'm not worthy of His house. I'm not worthy of His blessing. I'm not worthy. So what did the Father do? Oh, church, this is so important. He said, put on him the best robe. What did that have to do with anything, especially his eyes, because of the way he was viewing himself? When he put that best robe on him, here's what it said to him, forgiven, accepted, redeemed, received, restored, period. I'm putting on you the best robe. And church, we have got to get to the place where We receive the robe of righteousness that God has put on us. Oh, let me preach you out of your feelings of inferiority today. You are not inferior. You do not need to walk around with tuck head. You know what that is? You're always staring at the ground. We can't get you to look us in the eye because you feel ashamed about your life. Can I tell you that Jesus took your shame on the cross? He died for you naked in front of the entire world so that you would not have to be ashamed. And so what did God do? When we got saved, He put on us not just any robe, but the best robe. What's the best robe? The robe of righteousness. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness, that we might be made the righteousness, that we might be made the righteousness righteousness of God in Christ. So would you just allow God to drape you in the best robe today? Sir, you're redeemed. Ma'am, you're forgiven. Friend, you're restored. God has raised you from the dead, and He has laid His hand on your life, called you with a holy call. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Have you ever noticed how much the Bible focuses on telling us who we are in Christ? Why? Because He wants our eyes to be redeemed the way we see ourselves, You're never going to be bold in God. You're never going to be really bold until you receive what He's done for you and what He has caused you to be. As long as you're walking around feeling guilty and unworthy, you know how many people are not in church today because they got up and they said, or really the devil said to them, you're not, who are you to go to church? Look at you. And they forget that the Father has already put the best robe on them. Well, Pastor Jeff, I fail all the time. Welcome to the club. This is not a performance religion. This is a, I put my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I am leaning on the everlasting arms. I am leaning on what He did for me. Not what I can do for him. I'm leaning on what he did for me. And what did he do for me? Redeemed me, restored me, forgave me, resurrected me. I'm a child of God and I've got to know that. (laughs) Lazarus could not see the world as a resurrected man until that face cloth came off. So somebody, somebody in that crowd walked up to him and began to undo that face cloth until he could see. You know, I was telling the first service, seriously, when, when I got saved, I had a terrible inferiority complex. I just thought I was lower than dirt. And then God called me to preach. I said, you made a huge mistake. Surely you have missed. You mean another Jeff, uh, not me, because I don't talk in front of people. I, I don't talk in front of anybody more than two or three people. And you can ask Kathy, or my, my lips would begin to tremble, my eyes would twitch, I'd get real embarrassed, because here's what I was thinking, I don't have anything worth anybody hearing. Why did I feel that way? Because that's the way I saw myself. So what did he do? He sent people with an assignment, loose him. And so I began to be surrounded by church people who began to say, hey, when you share the word, I get blessed. Really? Really? me yeah when you share the word i get blessed and you need to preach more you need to teach more as a matter of fact i've booked you you're preaching here and there on this and that date and they made me do it and i got up and sputtered out my little message and afterwards they they acted like i had just given uh you know uh some incredible speech they would build and they took that face cloth off until i saw myself in the eyes of God you are called to be a liberator you are called to help loose people loosed people loose people if you believe that I want you to say amen I mean, you've got a purpose in here, at church, and I can't do all this. People are going to be walking in these doors, and you're going to meet them. They're going to say, oh, that's the way I see myself, loose them. Well, my hands are bound, loose them. Feet are bound, loose them. And the, next thing that, the next thing that happened with this prodigal is he said, put a ring on his finger. I want you to put a ring on his finger. Well, what did that have to do with anything? He just came home from running away and ruining his life. Why put a ring on his finger? Because the ring was a sign of authority and sonship it actually the ring in that day a signet ring carried the weight of the one who gave it carry the weight of their authority you remember when pharaoh bestowed the same honor on joseph when joseph got brought out of the prison same picture brought out of the dead same picture out of a tomb out of a prison redeemed it says so Pharaoh said to Joseph I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger this meant that Joseph could act in Pharaoh's place could act in Pharaoh's name he carried Pharaoh's authority with him everywhere he went because of the ring the ring was put on a hand now listen let me tell you very very important here the hand Not just the ring representing you carrying your father's authority. Now, you've been restored to your father to the point that you can go carry his name somewhere and use it. But also, the hand represented your life's labor, what you do with your life, your life's energy, your life force. God has given every one of you a life. You have a a certain amount of energy, a certain number of years, a certain number of talents and abilities and opportunities. What you do with your life is the work of your hands. That's why I say God wants to redeem not just your eyes, the way you view yourself and view life and view God. But God wants you to, to, to redeem the work of your hands. That is, He wants to redeem your life's labor. It's the work of your hands. The Bible says whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's talking about work. The way you spend your time. The way you spend your life. Now I have in my hand a dollar bill here. Let me just give you an example. Here's a dollar bill. Let's just say you just gave this to me. You just gave me this dollar bill. Here it is. Now here's the truth about this dollar bill. I can spend it. Any way I want. But I can only spend it once. I can only spend it once. I could go over there to Love's afterwards and, oh, I don't know, not get much with a dollar. <laughs> but let's just say it's a 20. I could go get a sandwich or whatever. But I could spend this. I could get, it, get some gum, whatever. And, but when I give it to her, I spend it and it's over. I can only spend it one time. God gave you a life. He gave you a number of years. He gave you energy. He gave you your life force, your, your life. But guess what? You can spend it any way you want to. You can spend it on yourself. You can spend it on sin. You can spend it serving the devil. You can spend it serving other people. You can spend it serving God. Listen, but you can only spend it once. Every day, every week, every month, every year that goes by, whatever you spent it on, you can't get it back. It's gone. And what does God want to do? He wants you to give your life, your energy, all that you have, all that you are, He wants you to spend it on His glory. On His glory purposes. I'm so glad I got saved young. When I got saved, I was 16, sitting in a juvenile home on a narcotics charge. And I got saved when I was 18. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in a powerful way, and I began to preach when I was 18. The majority of my life I've been preaching. I've spent it. I can't get it back, but I'm so glad I've spent it the way I've spent it. How are you spending the work of your hands so pastor jeff you know uh, I'm, I'm a blue collar worker out there i do i do carpentry i do whatever and, and you know i just I, i'm just involved in manual labor no you're not you're not involved in manual labor you're involved in emmanuel labor everything you do is to be redeemed to the glory of god if you're a manual laborer you are really an emmanuel laborer because every time you go out there you do it to the glory let all that you do be done to the glory of god So he says, give me the work of your hands. I want to redeem it. Loose him and let him go. Maybe today you're all bound up and serving yourself, living for yourself. Can I just tell you, God wants to loose your hands. He wants to loose your hands where you spend your life's labor on the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never, listen, I've, I've buried a lot of people. I've been at the bedside of a lot of people who were dying. I've never, ever had anybody say, man, do I regret the years I gave to God. Oh no, here's what I have heard, if only I'd live more for God. Oh, I wish I'd given more of my time to God. I wish that I had done more for Him. Can't I live just a little bit longer? But no, it's already spent. So, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good. That he may have something to give to him who has need. Perfect example of a redeemed life. Somebody who used to steal out of greed now works to give to others out of compassion. That's redeemed hands. That's redeemed labor. That's a redeemed life. Quiet in here today. I can hear you. You got your calculator out. How much have I given to God? How much time have I spent on him? I don't blame you. As a matter of fact, you ought to look at your life. You ought to look at your life. Am I living it for him? Now, the third thing and last thing that I'm going to close put sandals on his feet. Slaves in Bible times were barefoot. The prodigal left with shoes on, but returned barefoot because he'd been living his life as a slave in bondage to evil. He left with shoes on his feet, came back with no shoes on his feet. Picture of slavery. The Bible teaches that before our salvation, every one of us is barefoot. You know why? Because every one of us are slaves to sin. Romans 6, 17 says, you used to be slaves to sin. You used to be a slave to sin. You had no choice. You went where sin told you to, did what sin told you to do. Your feet, your feet were not redeemed. Sin took you in wrong directions. Your feet were not redeemed. The feet have to do with the direction your life is going. And God wants to redeem the direction your feet walk. The Bible says, the Bible says that you are to to consider the path of your feet. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Let your feet, that is the direction of your life, be redeemed you know, there's nothing more fulfilling than walking with Jesus Christ. He's not just my Savior. He's my teacher in everything in life and living. He is my primary philosopher. He is my guide. And where he tells me to go, I'm going to go. What he tells me to do, I want to do it. And he wants to redeem the path of my feet so that when I wake up in the morning, I go uh, in a direction that glorifies God. Listen to me, church friend. You might be resurrected from the dead, but your feet are still not free. You're still bound. You still find yourself going off in areas you shouldn't go. And you say, you know, why am I doing this and what's wrong? And boy, I wish my life could change. It can change. Jesus said, loose him. Now let me change that. Loose his feet so that he's not bound up. Now, do you think when they walked up to Lazarus, here he is, the guy, he was dead four days. No matter, no, no telling what he saw or what he heard, he was dead four days and nights. And all of a sudden, he hears a voice calling him out of a grave. Can you imagine that? Calling him out of a grave. And before you know it, he's got the energy to sit up and he waddles out of that tomb. And then he hears the same voice say, loose him and let him go. And all of a sudden, he feels the hands of people unraveling the face cloth, unraveling the grave clothes. And all of a sudden, his feet are free. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think he said, well, praise God? I once was dead, now I'm alive. Let's go get a hamburger. (laughs) What do you think the man did? He'd been dead. The smell of death of rigor mortis was on him. He had been gone. He's one of the few people in the whole history of the world that got to experience two funerals. Do you think he just stood there and said, Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ and all of you attendees, Appreciate it. I'm telling you, he had a Holy Ghost benefit. (laughs) Man, don't you know he went walking and leaping and praising God? I mean, he let it go. He was not being religious, he was raised from the dead. And you go into some churches. You gotta wonder what's happened to him or what hasn't happened to him. No, here's the deal. Jesus set his feet free. Don't you know that he turned his feet to praising God? And, and don't you know he lived a straight life after being raised from the dead? Yep, his feet were redeemed. His hands were redeemed. His eyes were redeemed. I'm a resurrected man. God wants your eyes redeemed, your hands redeemed, your feet redeemed. Can we stand together? <clears throat> I want to encourage you to to do something before we go today. Think about your life. Think about what direction you're going. Think about who you've been living for. Think about how your life has been spent. The days you can't get back. I have great news for you today. It's not too late. You're here and you can say, Lord, today, help me to see myself as a resurrected man or woman. Help me to give my life's labor to you and have my hands redeemed and help me to get my feet on the path of righteousness and goodness. It's not too late. You can do it right now. So I'm going to ask us to bow, can't we? You can say, Pastor Jeff, this has spoken to me today. In one of those three areas, I need to be loosed. I need the face cloth coming off. I need the grave clothes coming off my hands, my feet. I need to be loosed because I really want to do the will of God. I want to live like a resurrected person. I want to live a resurrected Life. If you can say, Pastor, in one of those three areas, I need to be loosed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, right where you are. Bless you. Bless you. I want to do something here today. I want to do what what the Lord distinctly led me to do last week. I want to do it again today because God is doing a new thing. Listen. When God focuses in on those hands, those feet, those eyes, he's going to set you free. So if you raise your hand, I want you to do something. I want you to slip out. I want you to come down to this altar. We're going to worship for a minute. I don't want anybody to get clock-eyed. I'm I'm not going to pray long. Please don't get clock-eyed. Don't move. But just worship God. And let's let him do something here in the lives of these people. I want everybody just to pray with me or worship. I'm just going to go down and I want to lay hands on these folks. We're going to believe God. Great For the Lucy, Lord, Thank you Lord. you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great Lord.